0: in the second week of a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs that we're going to look at up until the season of Lent. And this morning we're looking at Proverbs chapter 3, so please give your attention to the reading of God's word. A
1: reading from Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. Almighty God and our Father, we come this morning asking that uh, you would speak to us through your word. Meet us individually and specifically where we are. May your spirit give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that would understand. Because more than anything else, we need to encounter you and to experience you today. No one needs to hear from me, but we all need to hear from you. And we pray, Father, you would do this out of your grace and mercy, in your Son's name. Amen. We decided to look at the book of Proverbs uh, in this first part of the year because one thing I think we can all agree on is we are people who need wisdom. Regardless of how smart we are, how accomplished we are, in order to live God-honoring lives and to thrive, we actually need the wisdom that the scriptures talk about. And the book of Proverbs is not only about wisdom and becoming wise, but it wants us to become people who love wisdom. And many of us, many of us were kind of confused about what wisdom is, why we actually may need it, how we actually get it. But we all know This is something we desperately need. And Proverbs, the first nine chapters, if you read through it, it's kind of an exhortation and encouragement to seek this wisdom. Because we all know there are lots of situations in life that the Bible speaks very directly to and gives very clear directions on what to do and what not to do. Last year, we looked at the Ten Commandments. That is a very clear uh, teaching from God on here is the path toward life, and here is the path toward folly and destruction. But the, but the truth is, the vast majority of decisions we have to make every day, you know, the thousands of small micro decisions we have to make, is not actually addressed directly by God's law. And God does not give us in the Bible kind of a turn-by-turn turn direction for all of the decisions we need to make. And in all those situations, we actually need wisdom we need wisdom you know um thinking back to the pandemic a little bit as people started working remotely a lot of people started asking the question well if i work 100 percent remotely do do i need to remain here in the bay area or can i move somewhere to buy a house a larger home something i always wanted to do and people were asking but our community is here how do you make that decision you need wisdom you know, you and your spouse want to start a family, but you haven't been able to. And it's been years. Do you start thinking about adoption? Fertility treatments, perhaps? Do you wait just on God? Yeah, you need wisdom. You know, some of you have roommates and housemates. There they go again, they're annoying you. That thing we discussed before, it's happening again. Well, should I confront him, her, this person? Is that loving? Should I keep my opinion to myself? Am I going to make things weird? What's the right thing to say? Will they accept it? How should I say it? You need wisdom. Your middle schooler comes home and says, you know, can I spend the night at Michael's house? And you're like, wait a second, who's Michael? (laughs) I've never met Michael. You don't know Michael's family situation. But your son says, he's my best friend now. And maybe your son's been struggling to find friends because he's been so lonely. What do you do? You need wisdom. You you get the idea. All these decisions need wisdom. Because when we make decisions that are not wise, they often have implications that are hard. Do you have the wisdom you need? Because verse 13, which we didn't read, in, the, in chapter 3 says this, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and gets understanding. We need wisdom. So this morning I want us to spend our time on how do we get it, okay? What are we supposed to do? What are some things we are to do? Because the first thing I want us to understand is wisdom is actually a path. It's a recurring metaphor, especially in these first nine chapters, But it talks about wisdom as a way, sometimes as a road or a path, and this is how it depicts living life. It's a path that you can take. It's an imagery. And if you think about why this image, because walking a path is actually accomplished by something very simple, one step in front of the other, repeated, kind of like easy things. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, we can all do this, take a step. And we repeatedly make these repetitive decisions, these choices to stay on the wise path. And over time, it actually has a lasting impact upon us. All the small decisions of walking on the path of righteousness or of wisdom begins to shape a muscle memory that's developed in our wisdom. You know, I remember uh, in seminary, I had an Old Testament professor. When we studied the Proverbs, he said this, Proverbs is trying to teach you how to create a reservoir of wisdom that you begin to carry with you wherever you go. We are growing up in our ability to be wise and use this reservoir of wisdom. Wisdom. And if you lived in California long enough, you know filling a reservoir takes time, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, It doesn't happen in one shot. It's slow go, and it's slow, but sometimes you don't even notice it, right? And you have to have these superimposed pictures of this is what the thing looked like many, many years ago, and here's what the reservoir looks like today. And it's been nice to see in the news, hey, the levels are coming up a bit. But you get the idea. These are things that take time. It's slow things that happen over an extended period of time to build up our reservoir of wisdom. So that's one of the things the path actually tells us. We're all on it. And we get to choose to make these small decisions one at a time over a long period of time. It's not just about the big decisions we have to make right when we hit the crossroads, but it happens in the mundane day-to-day, and as our hearts are trained to be wise, when the crisis actually does come, we actually have wisdom to draw from. The other thing you begin to understand about walking this path is that walking actually, again, takes a good bit of time. David said this last week, where wisdom is a path, not a door. I think that's uh, something Tim Keller talks about in the way he talks about Proverbs and wisdom. And I think that's really helpful because we think of sometimes wisdom is this thing we acquire all at once and master, maybe like an instrument, uh, maybe like a sport, maybe something we get very good at, but it's actually something you do over time and it's not like the movie Matrix where you can just download all this information in your mind. And somehow you become wise overnight. And it's not just about information. But rather, it's about learning God's ways. And over time, beginning to understand that as you follow this path, you grow in it. And that tells us, if it feels like it's going slow, it's okay. But we need to keep on this path. Because wisdom is a path. It's something we do repeatedly. It doesn't mean we cross that distance all at once, but it actually takes time and learning and understanding and thinking as we grow in our relationship with God. And we need to follow it as we continue to ask God to teach me what it means to be wise. But wisdom as a path also tells us that oftentimes we get to these forts in the road where there seems to be two paths. One that keeps us on the path toward life and the one that says, here is folly. These are always the contrast. This is why in verse 1, if you notice, it says, do not forget my teaching. Verse 11, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Verse 7, turn away from evil. And what is this image saying? In order to stay on the path, maybe it's a lot of common sense, avoid the path that's going to take you to danger and harm and folly. Because there are paths that are actually not wise. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul actually talks about the wisdom of this world is actually folly and it's passing away. It's passing away. It's going to be gone. And he says, in Jesus, you actually have a wisdom that is from God. Folly is oftentimes characterized by things like our own self-absorption, self-gratification. It's the things that pervade us, and our decision-making is so tied up into, I need to make, my sh- make sure I feel good about it, I feel comfortable about it. Because oftentimes, the path that God puts on toward, us on toward wisdom it's often unsettling. You know, we're going to talk about some of this other stuff that comes up later in the chapter. But it's not always easy. It's not always the path of least resistance. And yet, God is saying, the choices you make on this path, to stay on it, to avoid folly, is what we are to do. See? Because wisdom is a path. And he wants us to follow this path in order to have life. Now, the question is, how do you stay on this path? Right? So if you find yourself beginning on this path, how do you stay on it? How do you stay on it? Because it has to do with our heart. The heart is a central idea in this passage. Did you notice in verse 1, put God's word in your heart. Write God's love on the tablet of your heart, verse 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, verse 5. Why all this emphasis on the heart? I thought we were supposed to just walk down this path here. You know why? Because the heart is essentially the compass of our lives. What we desire, what we long for, what we trust, it's what will guide our steps. And the many choices we make every day aligns ourselves with where our heart is. And this call to cultivate our desires, shape our hearts to be aligned with God himself, his purposes, the things he says is beautiful, good, and where you will find life, is walking in wisdom. Because if you want to be wise, we're going to have to help our hearts Always look to the beautiful things that God keeps saying needs to be our focus. And he gives us certain practices here that he says will help our hearts grow in this. You know, and the first thing is knowing God's commands. We have to also recall God's love, and we have to learn to trust in his ways. Knowing God's commands, recalling God's love, and trusting in his commands. Knowing God's commands. Notice verse 1 and 2. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Why is it so important to know God's commands? I mean, some of you are asking, wait, I thought David said last week it's not just about learning and information, but he also said it's not less than that. Because learning God's commands actually begins to help us see who God is. This is a father who speaks to his son here in this passage. Teaching, sharing, God's commands reveal something about his character. You know? And every person in Israel is learning these things about God. Because in his laws, we begin to see he is utterly trustworthy. He is a God who is faithful, that he is just, that he is the one that we can bet all of our lives on and say, you, oh God, are the one. And this can't just be something we memorize in our minds. But the more we begin to take it in into our hearts and it starts to shape us, boy, there is something that gives a vitality to ourselves and our lives that comes when this begins to happen. So if you want to walk on the path of wisdom, you have to train your heart to love God's commands. And the way we do that is we have to read them. We have to think about them, listen to them, apply them, and say, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to show us? This is why there's such an emphasis on things like our community groups, our Bible studies. Our Grace Teens has Bible studies during the week and on Sundays. Why? Because we want our young people to start thinking and understanding who God is through the scriptures. Because apart from this, I don't think you begin to understand God's purposes. And how do you get wisdom then? When we begin to submit ourselves to the realities of everything God says in his word, God is saying, that is a source of wisdom. So we have to know his commands. You know, Eugene Peterson, um, the lay pastor and theologian and author, he wrote this in his book, in one of his books, and the title is, Eat This Book. It's an interesting title, isn't it? Uh, I hope that's intriguing for you, but he says this. When we submit our lives to what we read in Scripture, we find that we are not being led to see God in our stories, but our stories in God's. God is the larger context and plot in which our stories find themselves. And he's saying something very profound here. When you begin to understand God's laws and his story, when you begin to understand the Scriptures, and you begin to see how you fit into all that God is doing, you begin to find, hey, here is the path toward life. So if this is an area of your life that you feel like, man, I need to work on this, boy, in this new year, find a friend, begin to study together, join a community group, join one of our Bible studies, figure out a way that you spend time in God's Word. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 40 years or if you're new at this. We all need to do this consistently. That's the first thing. The second thing is not only do we need to know God's commands, we have to recall God's love. Look at verse 3 again. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet. Of your heart. Two words in verse three steadfast love and faithfulness. Who is that referring to? Let not steadfast love. It feels very detached from other things, but obviously, Solomon is talking about God's steadfast love and faithfulness. That we are to bind these things on our necks, write them on the tablets of our hearts. He's talking about something very profound here. You need to remember the reason why you can actually trust him. Before we even get to talking about trust, you have to remember God himself is love and he is faithful. He is intimate and he's personal and he's committed to you. He's committed to you. And this is the thing that we have to pound into our hearts, screw it down into our hearts until it catches fire every single day. Because the biggest question that's going to rise in our hearts is, is, does God love me? Will he come through for me? When we experience life on the path of life, and all sorts of things get thrown at us, This is the first thing that gets questioned. This is the thing that we begin to say is, gosh, I know God was faithful to me like five years ago, but this situation seems a lot harder. Is he going to show up this time? Is he going to show up? And you have to kind of double down and say, God, I have to remember your grace. I have to consider how you've been good to me. You have been good. You have to kind of almost convince yourself that his grace is, is unyielding. He is faithful. He is steadfast, especially when things are hard. Because if you don't know God loves you in this way, you're never going to be wise. You're going to act like a fool because you know why? When you begin to mistrust Him, you begin to say, maybe my wisdom's a little better. Maybe this wisdom and this solution feel better than what the Bible seems to be pointing me to because I don't really know if God is going to come through for me. So day in and day out, this is why it says here, write them on the tablet of your heart. Somehow make it permanent, sharpie, okay? Put it around your neck. What is all this about? How do you get this into your heart in such a way that you do not forget? Because this is a key to wisdom. And the last thing, I've been already kind of alluding to it, is verses 5 here and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He's going to make your path straight. You know, wisdom grows as your level of trust grows. I think for all of us, trusting God is one of the hardest things we're being asked to do here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say 30%, okay? It doesn't say 50%. It doesn't say 70%. It doesn't say trust in him when you feel good about it and when you like what you read in the scriptures, It says, do it with all your heart. Go all in, unconditionally. Put all the chips in on the table and say, God, I am going to trust you. But I think the inclination of every single one of us is, God, what if I trust you and you fail me? And I'd rather have you, God. Just give me some good advice. How about you show up in this situation? I don't want you in this part of my life. And we actually think that it's better to trust ourselves than trusting in God. And part of growing up here in wisdom is leaning not on your own understanding, not being wise in your own eyes, but beginning to trust to say, God, you are the one. You are the one that I need to give myself unconditionally to. How do we do that? Because look at verse 9. Here, here's a couple examples here that he puts in here. Verse 9, it says what? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. That, that feels hard. I don't know about you. You know what I'm saying? It's like the world's wisdom is, You earned your money. This is all yours. You get to do whatever you want with it. But what does it say here? It doesn't even say give it away to people and help poor people. What does it say? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits. You know what it's trying to teach us? It's trying to teach us, hey, don't forget, God is the one who created the environment, gave you the wisdom, gave you the family, the education that you received, so you can actually produce the way you do. God is the one who, do the, who did this. He created this for you. He put this in your life. Honor him. Recognize him. Say, yes, I recognize. Yes, I put in hard work. But God is the one who allowed this to happen. And I want to thank him. I want to praise him. I want to honor him with my first fruits. Not all the leftovers I have after I take care of myself and all my other interests it's like, how do we begin to think? And he's saying, that is the path of wisdom here. That's hard, right? That's a hard thing to say. How about suffering here in verses 11? My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. You know what he's saying? There are going to be moments when you feel like you're being Disciplined. That not everything is going to go easy. That God, even when things feel hard and you feel like you're being disciplined here, and not everything is going well, he's saying, you have to be able to trust me because his love endures. His love is for you. He has not forsaken you. See? You have to know God's word. You have to recall his love. You have to trust. You have to trust. This is the path toward wisdom, you know? And if you don't know his word, and if you don't remember his grace, you're never going to trust his ways. And that's going to put you off the path of wisdom and onto the path of folly. Let me close with this. We have many, many more weeks, so I don't want to say everything today. But I imagine there are people here who are saying, you know, I kind of want David back. Maybe I can go back on sabbatical. (laughs) He's just talking to people who already believe the Bible is reliable. Who bought into everything. But that's not me. I just want some spiritual insight. And the fact is, there are parts of the Bible that just rub me the wrong way. You know, it's kind of like sandpaper on my skin. It makes me uncomfortable. And you're asking me to submit myself to this? Maybe that's some of you here. Or maybe you have some aspect of that in your heart, even though you've said, I'm a Christian. The real issue is you can't just begin with information or just reading the Bible in order to just become wise. Okay, That's not enough. You have to deal with the issue below that issue. Is it possible to be in a relationship and trust God? The God who speaks in the scriptures. How do you get to that point? How do you get there? And let me suggest this. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We quoted that verse last week. It's from Colossians. Maybe you are unfamiliar with Jesus. But it says, in him, in Christ, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, as you read through Proverbs, you begin to understand something. Jesus And this wisdom is more precious than gold, silver, or jewels. It's saying you need to go after this. And I want to encourage you to think of Christ in this way and read through perhaps one of the Gospels. Start looking at his life, his ministry, and his teaching. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. The kind of life he begins to describe. It starts there because you read it and you're like... Uh, that is not the way of the world. This is talking about something different. This feels actually kind of scary sometimes. Forgive people? What? Like, be generous? Love? I Pray, really, without anyone knowing? I, I mean, he's talking about things that are just mind-blowing. But not only should we look at his teaching, we begin to see what he came to do. The scriptures actually teach this. That Jesus Himself is worth following and giving ourselves to and trusting because why? He came and He saw us. This is the only story in the world where God sees what we did. He enters our world, takes up humanity. He's willing to suffer and die in order that our suffering, our guilt, our shame may be taken away completely. And it's done so on the cross. And this is the promise that God is making. And why does he do this? Because he wants to heal what is broken. He wants to mend what is not right. He wants to bring it back to life, you see. And the Proverbs are pointing to this. And all of us with our weary hearts... I think we need to go back to this truth in order to be wise. You know, Leslie Newbegin, who's a famous theologian, said throughout his life when things got hard, he said, I would always follow the clue of the cross. The clue of the cross. It's the beginning. He's saying, look at Jesus. Look at the God who comes to us, who allows the worst things to fall on him and brings healing. If that's our clue, if that's our beginning, trust germinates from that. Cultivate it, the scriptures tell us. Cultivate this. Give ourselves to this as we walk down this path together. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to us as the embodiment of wisdom. It confounds us that anyone who is fully innocent would suffer in this way. But you did this out of love. And we ask that this truth would be so embedded in our hearts and that it would transform us, that it would take away our shame, our fears, our greed, our envy, that you would allow us to become people who are wise who are vehicles of your grace and mercy in our world. Make us a congregation who loves you and who follows you in this way, Lord. Challenge us, we ask. Shape us. And we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen.